boy, that escalated quickly. After winning game seven in Raleigh by a score of six two, the Rangers came out firing on all cylinders, lighting up the scoreboard in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, beating the Lightning by the same score of 6-2 to take a one nothing series lead. Can the Rangers keep riding the momentum to a Stanley Cup Finals appearance? We'll ask the guy that picked the Rangers in seven. That would be the post, Larry Brooks. Lots to do with Ron Duguay, Molly Walker, and me, Jake Brown, next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. There's a Yankee story you're accustomed to hearing. This is not that Yankee story. Ooh, the 1990 Yankees. It was rock bottom. A horror show, a laughing stock. There was a ball player who brought live cougars into the clubhouse. I was in a relationship with Mel Hall at the age of 15. Are you kidding me? How was that acceptable? This is the Yankee story they don't like to tell. It really was the Bronx Zoo. Bronx Zoo 90. Crime, chaos, and baseball. Streaming now, only on Peacock. Here's a chance, there's a Benajan out in front, and Chris Kreider scores! Right out in front, and Heedle scores again! Philip Heedle is on fire! With Panarin, and he scores! Just 30 seconds into the third period. That's it for game one. Convincing victory by the New York Rangers. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. It's an Eastern Conference Finals edition of the show. And what a start to the series at Madison Square Garden. Those highlights you heard from game one of the Rangers 6-2 win over the Lightning are courtesy of ESPN. Unbelievable game, unbelievable atmosphere as the Rangers take a 1-0 series lead against the Lightning. The post Larry Brooks will drop by later in the show to let you know his feel of the series so far. And let's bring on our host of Up in the Blue Seats, the queen of the post, Molly Walker. And her co-host is Rangers great, number 10, Ron Duguay. I'll speak for all of us guys that, you know, we apologize for not being there last show. Some scheduling issues across the board. We were all in the air, essentially. We all were flying somewhere, but we are back here for the Eastern Conference Finals. Ron, we'll start with you. Six goals against Vasilevsky. Clamored the greatest goalie in the world, the best goalie on the planet. The Rangers made him look like a Zamboni driver in game one. Absolutely dominating that game. Goals coming left and right. If you were in the bathroom, if you were getting a beer, you missed it. 71 seconds into the first, 30 seconds into the third. It was a go parade. Ranger fans are hyped up right now after that one, especially after a 6-2 win as well in game seven in Raleigh. Well, it just goes to show you just never know until the game starts what you're going to see now. So I was asked several times uh, my thoughts on going into game one. And all I can tell is sharing what I've seen in the past with the Rangers They've been, you know, it's a hardworking team, but unpredictable, unpredictable at the start of a game, playmaking. And what we've known for sure is their goaltending has been solid. Shesterkin has been incredible. So whether they have a good start or bad start, Shesterkin seems to be there. But what we saw in this game was unexpected. So I thought, you know what? The Lightning had been sitting around, yes, rested. But there's something to be said about game shape, game thought, game mindset. And uh, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to give a slight edge game one to the Rangers because they've been going every other day. They have momentum. They're feeling good about themselves. They have played well against the Lightning. So I'm going to give the Rangers a slight edge in game one. 
Because if they're going to have an opportunity to win this series, they have to win game one, regardless. This is a game where you can get the lightning possibly off guard. And sure enough, we saw all of that. Now, Vasilevsky, being that he's just come off playing really well, you would have thought, okay, he's going to have his A game. But in games and in life, there's good bounces and bad bounces. And it seemed like everything they were shooting at him was going in. And so this bodes well for the Rangers because this is a team that can score goals. And if you're going to beat the Rangers, you got to stop them. You got to you got to stop opportunities. And for the Lightning, they didn't do that. Now, having said all that, I uh, I like the fact that they were playing the Lightning because what we've seen in the past that the Lightning like to play a loose hockey game. They would prefer to play that way. I'm saying they prefer to play pawn hockey. And sure enough, that's what we saw. They were loose and uh, and they gave Rangers an opportunity that came in there full of confidence and everything went the Ranger way. The one thing that I got out of this game, and we have talked about this before, Molly, is Heedle. Oh, my goodness. In the post game, uh, Panarin's asked, I think it was Sabinajay and Panarin, they're both asked about Heedle, their thoughts on him. And it was Panarin that made a comment like he's providing leadership for us veterans in the room what he's doing the way he's playing he's encouraging us it was something that you had said you would see him go talk to the vets and so he's a man he's grown he's got seven goals ron philip heedle is turning the corner i said it back in game five i when i walked out of the pre-game press conference before game five the rangers are down three to one in the series basically dead in the water and I listened to what Philip Hedahadza said. I, I walk out of the room and I looked at Larry and I said, who was that? Because I did not recognize him. That was not the Filipino that has been on this team for five seasons. That was a different human being. And he has played as such. And when I say that this could be huge for the Rangers, not just in this playoff run, but going forward as well, considering their center situation right now up front, if Philip Hedl becomes a true middle six center, the Rangers are going to be in, in very, very good shape because of their cap situation. First of all, he's going on to, I think it's his second or third contract. So he's not exactly commanding a lot of money on an open market. And if the Rangers are able to get as much as they're getting out of him right now in this playoff run, they are going to be in very good shape. I genuinely think that the kid line has just been the X factor for the Rangers this entire playoffs. And they certainly looked like it last night against Tampa Bay. I wrote about this a lot today extensively for all the concern around their inexperience around the youth at every part of the lineup, which is totally understandable considering the teams that they have gone up against this postseason. It was all valid concern, but those exact players that everybody was so concerned about have led the way for the Rangers. And I think that has been the most encouraging part of this entire awesome run that they're on right now is that the kids are growing up. They're all be like you said, Ron, Filipino has become a man, has become a veteran, has looked and spoken like a veteran of five seasons. And it's made the world of difference. I think that not only do the Rangers need, obviously, Igor Shosturkin to be amazing to combat Andre Vasilevsky, but if they can get a good bulk of scoring from that third line, that will be huge. I really do think. And, you know, obviously this is coming from someone that predicted now for the Lightning to win the next four. And yes, I have gotten a lot of flack for that and I'll take it. But 
like you said, Ron, Tampa, they haven't been playing for a while. They have been off the ice. And I totally agree with you. Not being in game action for a while, it, you know, it gets you off your game a little bit. So I expect a much different team to come out Friday night. And let me tell you, if they go up two to nothing in the series, though, you know, then I can eat my words. And, you know, I I will totally admit when I was that I was wrong where I was wrong. <laughs> I'm curious now. You said in five, do you, are you changing your pick, Molly, after seeing game? No, well, I'm not going to do that. I, the only time I changed my pick was was last series. And I thought it was warranted. And I was even a little, I looked even more ahead and I said, if they tied the series up two two, that they were going to win the whole series. So that was my combat to my Carolina and six prediction, because, you know, so, you know, after watching the series, first of all, Carolina never impressed Carolina never looked like what they have during the regular season. At times they never looked like their best selves and partially Part of that was because of the Rangers, no doubt. But Carolina, it just they just didn't look like how they were supposed to, basically. Um, So obviously the series can change because of that. And and the Rangers just they they pulled one out and they brought it to seven. And, you know, their experience in the elimination games, you know, they're just at this point, they're getting used to playing with their backs against the wall. And that's when they play their best hockey, honestly. So that was really the only thing. But I think that if, yeah, if they go up two to nothing over over the lightning in this series, it's a real, real good chance that they're going to pull it out. And so having um, chatted up Heedle, we do have to make a mention because as a centerman, you need wingers. And when you look at what Lafreniere is doing and even Kako, Kako uh, lacks a little bit of a, of a scoring touch, but he's still working hard. He's still making some good plays. So with Heedle, we got two younger players. And I don't know if, we're all calling them the kid line, you know, because I, I know Truba, they were, you know, they're all kind of talking it up, thinking they don't think of them as a kid line because of the way they're playing. But Lafreniere is competing hard and Kako's playing well. So as a unit of three, you're saying it, it's that third line that's making a difference. And this is one thing that Larry Brooks talked about. We'll talk about him later. He said, if a team's going to go deep, that third line needs to produce, that fourth line needs to produce. And we're getting a little bit of, of everything, although the first line, second line haven't been great. And I think we're still waiting to see that. And it's a good thing that Panarin now has scored a couple of goals because I think it was Wayne heavy on him, like heavy, because the expectations for him to score. Now he's scored a couple, and I'm anxious to see how that's going to look moving forward going into uh, uh, Friday's game. So with Vasilevsky, I'm not quite sure with him. He's the type of guy, he's like Shesterkin, right? Uh, you may get six on him, but you're going. we're going to see a different goaltender on Friday night. So I'm anxious to see how Tampa is going to adjust, because as I said, they got a lot of skilled players there. And they rely on those guys that rely on their power play also. So I'm I, the penalty kill is good. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how they're going to adjust and how the Rangers are going to look at the Friday game. Do we just keep doing the same thing? Do we need to change anything? Um, so I'm anxious to see what's going to come out of really out of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because if Tampa Bay Lightning go down too, it's a Ranger advantage once we get to that place. So I, I so because I, I've been missing out going at the garden. Guys, fill me in on what it's like with the Ranger fans. Is the energy building as now we're into that third round? 
Oh yeah. Oh, it was, it was epic. It was absolutely epic at the garden for game one. And I'll tell you, they started to taunt Andre Vasilevsky toward the end. And you know, that was, that was pretty epic. That was, that was cool. And, and uh, definitely something I hope to ask Shisterkin about in the future. And I mean, Hey, I really loved yeah, after, after the Rangers, uh, you know, advanced, we, we asked Igor just about, Andre Vasilevsky and that kind of challenge that lies ahead. And, and he was so respectful, you know, without hesitation, just like as he was with Henrik Lundqvist, just immediately said he's the best goaltender in the world right now. And I think that's the kind of humble mindset that, that Igor has that, you know, until he does prove himself and until he does, you know, make that kind of statement, like beating Andre Vasilevsky in, in a series, in a series, he just really showed his respect for him. And, and yeah, it, it was great. It, I thought that, you know, that says a lot about Igor as a person, as a player. And, you know, to be respectful of your opponents is always great. But I, I definitely just expect a whole different Tampa Bay Lightning team. And I one of the, if anybody read my series preview, obviously the Lightning really does have an advantage all over the board. And I gave them an even advantage in goal because we haven't seen what Igor can do up against Andre Vasilevsky yet in a series, at least. And really it could go either way with these goalies. Igor is just as good as Andre Vasilevsky. He's not as proven yet, but he's just as good, has that same instinctive competing mentality. But the other part that I think that the Rangers do have an edge here is in special teams and special teams has been the Rangers bread and butter this, this for most of this playoffs. And I think that if they can continue having the power play going and it really is right now, I mean, that make is advantage at one time is just finding the back of the net every single time. It's absolutely crazy. I think that the Rangers are really going to be in good shape if they can get special teams going for them. Have Molly keep picking against the Rangers because then they'll just keep winning. So let's keep make sure you're wrong, Molly. And then the Rangers are are in good hands. Yeah, I, I keep saying electric. So I, I've switched to voltaic. You felt it in the building. I went to game seven, $200 for a lower level seat, which gets you into a viewing party in New York. Doesn't get you in the arena. Uh, The cheapest was going for around 400. I like to walk the concourse to try to get a feel of the building. The rapper Bobby Schmurda was walking around the building, being surrounded by a ton of people. Brian Dayball there cheering. The Rangers are undefeated with Brian Dayball in the building. Molly, I think it's like six and oh, because he wasn't at the triple overtime game, but he's been at every other one in which they won. So he is the Rangers. Good luck. And uh, he brought Joe Shane, the Giants GM in the building. A lot of celebrities. Anthony Rizzo came from a Yankees rainout to the arena. So he got there late. As soon as they, they had a goal barrage and Heedle scores the two in the second period, people are going nuts. So, Ron, you need to uh, get your flight, get your tickets for game five, because we assume there'll be a game five. Maybe we finally do that live podcast after game five next Thursday night. So uh, book your trip because it's not going to be a sweep. There will be a game five. And it's going to be fun. Okay. So, yes, I'll be there for game five. Absolutely. I just want to circle back to Molly and her prediction. <laughs> yes, yes, bring it. Honestly, I've been taking it Roast for like two days. No, well, listen, it's okay to be wrong. What I'm saying is, Molly, if they go on and win, so what, right? So what? Oh, my God. And honestly, come on. And I will say the national media now has is finally starting to pay attention to the Rangers. And like, that's all fine. And I saw a bunch of people picked Rangers in seven. And, you know, I'm not here saying that I don't think that it could happen. But if you're asking me to put my prediction in print in ink, 
in in permanence, <laughs> I'm going to say the Lightning just because of of their proven track record. Again, that was a that was a, a rusty team in Game One. It totally was. I don't know what's going to happen in Game Two, but that was a rusty team in Game One. And I think everybody has seen what the Lightning can do in the playoffs. First of all, they have never over those last two cup runs, they have not lost twice in a row. Not once, not once. So the Rangers are going to have to do that. And Hey, they totally could, but it's a lofty task. It is a lofty, lofty task. And I, you know, but if you've read any word that I've written in the last 48 hours, everybody knows what I think about this team. I think they have the intangibles to go all the way to the Stanley cup. They have that special team dynamic, the camaraderie, the team belief, the dynamic that all championship clubs need. I saw it with the Islanders during their two conference final runs. You have to have that kind of special way about you and the Rangers have it. And I think that that can carry them so far but again, if I'm putting it in print, I got to go with the lightning just out of pure logic, because that's that's just kind of how I operate purely. But hey, totally could happen. Not saying it's not going to happen. OK, well, Molly, you have it in print. I don't. But I was asked by several people, some who like to bet the games. My prediction was lightning and six for the same reasons, Ooh. because what I saw how they played uh, the Panthers. I'm like, oh my goodness, they have another gear. They really do have another gear. And so I have the lightning in six. It's not in print as you do, but for the same reasons that you said, you know, the lightning are the lightning, the Rangers are the Rangers. Rangers, we never know what's going to come out of them, although Shesterkin has been awesome. And so, but now that they've won game one, the way they won game one, you know, I got to stick with my lightning in six, but I sure like the Rangers now. Uh, we're going to talk to Larry Brooks, and Larry has him and have Rangers winning in seven. So we'll talk to him about that. Wow! See, me and Larry Brooks in seven. I love it. I literally texted Larry the next morning, and I was like, "Look at you picking the Rangers in seven. I was like making Ethan and I look like a bunch of curmudgeons over here. <laughs> Larry is on board. There's something about the the heart, and you know, eight days off is nice and all, but. Ron, maybe you could speak to this. I think there's something to riding momentum and this Rangers team riding the momentum versus eight days off. The, the Lightning might have been at the strip club. They might have been partying. We know they had eight days to chill. Did you notice that, that you, you know, rode momentum? You had less off days. Maybe that was better for you guys because you just kept playing. Yeah, but hey, look, well, let, let's just go back to period one. The Lightning looked good. They came out and I'm looking, I'm thinking, wow, they look pretty good. And so the Rangers had to come up or Sisterkin had to make some big saves. So they didn't look too up and it wasn't a, in the first period. It wasn't until the Rangers started scoring a goal or two. Second period, the Rangers just unleashed the beast. Yes. And so, yes, there's such a thing as you might be rested. You may feel good. Your legs may feel good. But playing at a fast pace, it's hard to duplicate that in practice. And so they call it rust. I, I just call it, it's just a timing thing, right? When you're playing that fast. And so the I knew the Rangers are going to be tough to beat because they are, they're just on a roll. And so for the Lightning, they did come out first period. They look good. And then there was pushback by the Rangers. I like that pushback. So that's why that's telling me that regardless what the Lightning do, the Rangers have it in them to play that style of game. And that's what I like. The, the Lightning aren't into playing tight checking. They will open up. They will give you chances. And the Rangers know they got to take Vasilevsky's eyes away. As long as they keep doing that, 
they're going to have opportunities. Anyways, did I answer your question? Kind of, but not really, but kind of. Hearts, before we get to Larry, you nodded your head. Are you going, are you joining the Molly, Ron, Lightning and Six parade over here? Yeah, I hate to hop off the uh, bandwagon so late in this, but honestly, the only thing that worries me is the fact that we've seen the Rangers go on one of these kind of runs and then we've seen what happens when they cool off and then especially for it to cool off against a team like the Lightning it just it worries me because after getting a laugh fest against the Hurricanes in game seven and you get a laugher against Tampa Bay in game one there's due to be some sort of a pullback and I couldn't agree more with Molly I think you're going to see a completely different team in game two and at that point if the Lightning get game two you go to Tampa for two games this thing could get ugly quickly. Tomorrow is a pivotal game. It's a must-win game in my mind for the Rangers if you want to see them move on to the Stanley Cup. So, unfortunately, I'm taking the Lightning in six. Mm. Well, luckily, me and our next guest, Larry Brooks, are taking the Rangers in seven. And Larry joins us next on Up in the Blue Seats. Wow, this Rangers team might be for real. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending <laughs> three straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. <laughs> because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Lara, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. You know, the guys were walking around in their bathrobes like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We- it's a two-part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes, welcome in the great Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry at NYP underscore Brooksy on Twitter. Read him at nypost.com in the physical copy of the paper and our favorite post sports plus. Larry hasn't gotten me to shut up about Philip <laughs> since, like I said, game five of the first round. Like no joke, sitting in the press box. He scores two goals last night and I just look at him. And I was just like, Philip Heedle, Philip Heedle, he's turning the corner, put it in writing. And Larry's just like putting his hands in my face, like, stop, like, just stop. Like, I, I, but I can't stop. I can't stop because I, I, it's so exciting for to see for him, especially considering how his career has unfolded in New York thus far for him to come onto the scene in the first legitimate playoff run like this is huge for his psyche. It's huge for the Rangers. Larry, just your thoughts. How huge is this? Could this be for the Rangers if Filipino turns a corner here and carries it into the regular season and just going forward? It's a remarkable transformation over over a month, you know, over the last four weeks, five weeks for for 
Philip. And if he becomes this player, then the Rangers issues at center are, are actually taken care of. You know, they, they are. And the question then becomes for me, all right, next year is the kid line their second line? Or does that mean Panarin moves up with Kreider and Zabanajad? Or, you know, are we looking at a different, a, a different configuration? But what this kind of reminds me of, and it, it's, it's completely out of context, but this reminds me of watching Philip at his first training camp. He had just turned 18, I think, two or three weeks earlier. He's one of the, he was one of the youngest players in the draft. And he came to camp. He was the 21st overall pick. Nobody thought he had a chance to make the team. I mean, there wasn't even a, a you know consideration. And he dominated in training camp. He was 18 years old, and he just dominated in training camp, and he forced his way onto the team. And, and I know people, and, and at times I've been one of them, have criticized the Rangers uh, for rushing players, for not allowing their prospects to uh, gestate, you know, and, and they, you know, they, they just want to bring them to New York too quickly. And there was some talk about that with Phil, but I'm telling you that Philip Heedle in that first training camp opened, I, I, I mean, he was a revelation and he forced his way onto the team. He only played a game. And then I think he was scratched for the second game and uh, they sent him back. But that's what this reminds me of. It's, it's like, wow. I mean, who is this? Because it was such a difficult season for him. He could not create a role for himself. He was bouncing around. There was even question about where he was going to play, if he was going to play when the playoffs started. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what the, what the coaching staff has done here. But this is, you know, the, the, these playoffs have just unlocked all of the potential of, of Philip Heedle. And you are seeing this kid, uh, this young person, just metamorphosize into this electrifying player. Well, I know that sometimes Gallant will do this where, you know, in the moment when things are happening, he won't tell us anything. But then like a couple months later, he'll drop some sort of comment that alludes to something that happened a while ago. And he said that he had a sit down talk with Philip Hedl about his compete level after those like handful of games that he was scratched. It, it, he wasn't as electric at the end of the regular season, but he, I think he was better and he was more he was in the lineup he wasn't you know considered to be a scratch anymore or like on the verge of being scratched anymore so I think that that definitely played a role in it and that's just something that Gerard Gallant has been able to do with you know more than one player this season I'm curious Larry I guess just your thoughts on Gerard Gallant's ability to do that and and his approach with his players and, and how big that's been for the Rangers Listen, we, we have talked about this. You've written about it. I've written about it. His strength as a coach is, it seems to me, after watching him for one year here, is um, the way he empowers players. And you know, the way he sends players out and tells them just to be their best version of themselves. And the support that the players get from the coaching staff, I think, is, is a significant reason why the Rangers are here. What I find really interesting, and I, and I guess this goes in conjunction with making the conference finals with already having won nine games, but what impresses me about this team now is the way its best players are playing. And and guys are, are then following. And I think, you know, you, I, I think Galan has them believing in themselves. I think that's been 
you know, his method and the entire season to find the way to, to, to unlock the best in every player and just to tell these guys to go out and do what they do best, not worry too much about too many other things. I think it's a, it's a very direct, simple approach and it's, it's worked with Heedle. It's worked with Chris Kreider. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, the most senior player on the team and Chris, and I know Philip's been here for a while. I remember asking him a question, uh, you know, reasonably early in the season, asking him if, if he still felt like a young guy because he was in his fifth pro season. He was in this, the fifth year he was going to be, he was on the Rangers. And, you know, it's a, that, you know, which allows you to forget that he's only 22. And Phil quickly reminded everyone that, you know, he said, no, I, I'm young. I'm 22, but it's worked with him. Alexei Lafreniere has had a much better, had a better playoffs than he's had a season, although he, he did, you know, have a, a nice final month of the season. Um, but these are also two players, Lafreniere and Dan Heedle, who were scratched at the end of the year, you know, with a couple of weeks to go or three weeks to go. And uh, the coach said that Lafreniere was just rested. You know, he thought he could need a rest. So, he didn't, you know, he didn't say he was benching him. But his game changed after he sat that night in Philadelphia. There's no question about it. And he has this team competing. And he has these players competing. So, Larry, I have a question for you. And this may be a very loaded question. So the last time the Ranger fans have seen their team in the conference finals and possibly going to the finals, according to you, in game seven, can you draw any comparisons to the team in 2014 to this team? The comparison comes from its reliance on the goaltender. The, you know, the comparison is between Lundqvist in 2014 and Shesterkin. In 2022, I do think, though, this team reminds me more of the 2011-12 team that lost to the Devils in the conference finals. Just a team that never stopped battling, never stopped competing. The 2014 team, too. But, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't think of them as compare them to the 2014 team. I think that was a different unit. You know, have Marty St. Louis on it, Brad Richards. More of a, you know, it was more of a veteran group. And, and by 2014, you know, there, there had been a couple of changeovers, but there was a fiber to the Rangers. They had been in the playoffs year after year after year after year. And there was still the same kind of core group of players, even though Callahan was gone and, and Dubinsky was gone. It was McDonough and it was Girardi and it was Stahl and it was Stepan. You know, of course, Broussard and Nash, you know, who was, who was kind of new. That was, to me, a, a, a veteran team that was at a place that it had built to over years and they kind of belong there this team again kind of reminds me of the 11 12 team that was a surprise all season and then battled in the playoffs overcame a 3-2 deficit in the first round came back to win a seventh game that's my touchstone here because i I i think they were a team that was underestimated by a lot of people and achieved, you know, fair success before losing in the conference finals. So that's what I look back to. But I, I, I think you can take any successful team and, you know, compare it to this one, because I think this probably has the same qualities as any winning team has. They believe they can do anything. So having said that, all the talk right now is going into game two, Friday night. The Ranger fans are talking about, we're talking about everyone saying, oh, we're going to see a different lightning team, which we are. But 
Knowing the Rangers, the way they played, do you believe that we're going to see that much of a difference on the Lightning team? Or are the Rangers going to be able to compete as they are and really make it a close hockey game? Well, if game one's result had been reversed, if the Lightning had done to the Rangers last night what the Rangers did to Tampa Bay, people would be saying the series is over. Ah, you see, the Rangers don't belong. Because from the, really from the middle of the second period on, the Rangers just dominated the game. And... I do expect Tampa to be much better. I expect Vasilevsky to be much better. They haven't lost two in a row during, during you know, the last couple of years in the playoffs. So they've had games where they haven't looked very good. I remember the Islanders making them look bad a couple of times in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, they fell behind Toronto this year. So, I, But I, I expect Tampa to be very good. I expect Vasilevsky to be much better. I expect McDonough. I thought, I, I thought McDonough had, had, had a game that was as shaky as Vasilevsky's. And I, you know, you're probably not going to see that again. I don't think so. Um, I think Victor Hedman's going to be better. I, you know, I think they're going to be sharper. I think they're going to be, uh, I think they're going to be harder to play against, but I, uh, but I think, I think the Rangers are going to be harder too. The Rangers got away with a lot in the first period last night, first 25 minutes last night. There was a lot of stick checking. There was, you know, they weren't as physical as they needed to be. And then they then they got into their game in the second period. I think, I think they're going to need to get to their game a little bit quicker in game two. But no, I listen. If Tampa comes with its best, let's see. You know, the the Rangers right now are rolling. I mean, they are. Their best players are playing well. Their third line is a force. Their fourth line is tough. Adam Fox and and Ryan Lindgren are playing at their highest level as a pair in their two and a half, three years together. I didn't think Andre Miller had a particularly great game last night. So, you know, there's room for improvement there. I look down the Rangers right now and I see a team that's ready to compete. And if Tampa comes with their best, I expect the Rangers to match it. Whether they win tomorrow night or not, I don't know, but I think they will match Tampa's effort. Well, Larry, thank you so much for your time. And we'll chat. Well, you and I will chat again in an hour, (laughs) but we'll chat again next week. All right. Thanks, guys. We kind of gooned them. I'm going to bring that old term back. All right, Ron and Molly. That wraps up episode 92, the Michael Nylander edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Well, thank you, uh, Jake and Andrew Harris, for producing the show and for Molly being here. And, of course, Larry's always great. Another fun show. Uh, wow, the energy right now, I'm just loving it. I mean, being in the conference finals, we you know we knew that the, the Rangers would possibly win the first round, but now they're in the conference finals. And a lot of it is not just what we feel personally, but being able to share that with Ranger fans. So walking through the halls of the garden, it's exciting. Walking in the streets is exciting. I haven't experienced it yet, but I promise I will be at Game 5 to be part of all of that excitement. That's happening in Manhattan right now. It really is so exciting. I mean, after the Game 7 win over Carolina, I looked down on my phone and I had 16 text messages from my mother, who was just absolutely, she, she's saying she was screaming so loud, like she doesn't even know how she didn't wake up all the neighbors in our area. Honestly, for me, it's so strange because all I've ever done my whole life is watch games with my mom and all I want to do 
is see her reaction and like watch her watching this because you know it's everything to her so i can't i know that it's every ranger fan out there is the same way so i mean it really is a very exciting time to be a blue shirts fan molly has your mom been to a playoff game not this season but she has before i went with her when i was younger somewhere between the 2012 2015. i think ron is teeing up that he's going to bring your mom to a game was that what you're gonna say how did you know that i saw it in your face i know you like the back of my hand we're on season three of the podcast we can't even talk about this guy she's listening like you can't like she, well now she if knows you're gonna say that you have to do it because ron, like, you have to pull through no ron when i tell you that would make her entire life it would like make a wish every, foundation every, yeah, no actually <laughs> like no joke it would be the i don't think she'd be able to go any up from there like that would just be her absolute life peak at that one moment to sit next to you in the stands at the garden at a rangers playoff game well i don't know if i would be normally when i go to the games i don't sit in the stands i stand by the glass so listen we'll we'll, we'll keep that in mind that would be awesome wendy the new plus one over uh someone else could be interested wow we, we, that is a storyline to keep in touch for next week on up in the blue seats podcast for number 10 ron duguay molly walker andrew hartz i'm jake brown make sure you subscribe catch up on all old episodes apple podcast spotify stitcher wherever you get podcasts we will be back on monday after game three in tampa molly will go from the boondocks of raleigh to the poolside in tampa and i gotta tell you raleigh stinks i mean there is nothing to do there so thank god that series is over i don't know how you did that multiple nights one night i'm like get me the hell out of here fan said no quit in new york so why did you all move down here i said sir i live in new york city calm down anyways but before we end the show we want to hear from the pumped up rangers fans i talked to some outside of madison square garden after the 6-2 game one win so we'll close out the up in the blue seats podcast hearing from you ranger fans all right, Anthony from Staten Island. How are you feeling about this series after that dominant game one win? I feel like we sent a message this first game that, listen, Tampa had nine games off. They had all the time to rest. They might have come in saying, listen, the Rangers only beat backup goalies in the first couple rounds, but you come into our garden, our house, we are not to be messed with. We are going to make this a fight. There's no quit in New York, and we are going to push this series we are going to never quit, never give up. We've come back every game, no matter what the score was, no matter how much we were down, we always fought and we always come back. What's your prediction for the series now? Rangers in six. Let's go, Rangers! Sarah from Long Island here. How are you feeling after that dominant game one win? Oh, my God. I was so excited. We picked the best game to go to. It's my first game of the whole playoffs, and we picked the best one. It was amazing. I just I couldn't believe how many goals they got and how amazing Igor is. We want the cup. We're going to do it. Let's go, Rangers! Scott from Islip, how are you feeling after game one uh, right now? There's a great start. It's going to be a tough series still. You know, it's only one game, but uh, it's a good start. Get out ahead of them, go up one nothing. Prediction for the series. Rangers in seven. Let's go, Rangers! Samantha from New Jersey, how are you feeling after the game one win right now? I have never watched as much hockey as I ever have. I'm bandwagoning. This is unbelievable. It's so good for the city. I cannot stop. What's your prediction right now for the series? Oh, are you kidding me? Rangers in four. Let's go, Rangers! South Long Island, how are you feeling after a game one dominant 6-2 win? This is the first time I actually feel good, so let's go Rangers! We finally put some doubt in Tampa's mind. They're not the best team in this. They're going down. Rangers in five. Let's go Rangers! Mom, like not now. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting into this with you right now.